Welcome to Celtics Hub Podcast. This is ridiculous. Hosted by... Uh, give me a break. Brendan Jackson. Pick and pop till you drop. And Ryan DeGamma. Save the DeGamma for your mama. That's how smug these guys can be. Catch me posted up in the background, ready to drop a fat sand, flip it, get styled, and put it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here comes Scotty. Here comes Scotty. Yeah, you can catch me spreading bangers on toast, using your last hope. Does it mean to wash my mouth out with soap? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here comes Scotty. Here comes Scotty. All right, we are back, and when I say back, I mean we're back again six months later. Uh, Ryan, we keep doing this, and I don't know if it's charming or annoying that we keep having to apologize for insisting we'll do a regular podcast and then doing one every six months. I would say that every time in my life I've wondered if I was being charming or annoying, usually (laughs) the answer is I have really pissed someone off. And it's like, what is it? The definition of insanity is like doing the same things over and over again and expecting different outcomes. And yet we never learn. We're, we're always we're always not charming. And yet at the same time, I feel like we still have, however intermittent, one of the longest running Celtics podcasts uh, available. So there is that. It's That's not, true. You know, like we, we've, been, we've been trying and failing at this for many years now. We're pioneers of the the tried and failed podcast model. Um, But before we get started, I wanted to quickly pump up the intro music. Uh, So as you guys know, if you've listened to our podcast before, our intro music is by Speak. He actually goes by Speak the Rebel uh, now because uh, his (laughs) trademark issue with Spotify, his music was getting stolen. It was really terrible. Um, it's actually my buddy Jay, a, a dude I grew up with. Um, he does hip hop and he has a new album out. Um, so if you go to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you listen to uh, music on, if you go to Speak the Rebel, uh, you can listen to his new album, Vidal Baboon. I'll be playing some stuff uh, from that new album uh, when he gets me the edited versions. <laughs> um, if we st- if we ever want to sell ads on this, I don't think I can actually uh, play the unedited versions. So once he gets us that, we'll, we'll play some of that stuff as new intro music and outro music. But just, yeah, check him out. He's awesome. If you like hip hop, if you like, uh, uh, he you know, he's an interesting dude. He's uh, half white, half Arab, Grew up in Section 8 housing, so he has like a really interesting take on poverty in America and race in America. If you like that stuff, definitely check him out. And that's it. It's a one-minute plug. Sorry, Ryan. No, no, no. The Celtics Sub Podcast is also brought to you by Coke Zero. (laughs) Try a delicious Coke Zero while you listen to this hip-hop. Exactly. Uh, If you're listening, Coke Zero. Coke Zero, come on. CelticsHubPod at gmail.com. But anyway, so how have you been for the past six months? Uh, like everybody, I never know how to answer that question anymore. Um, I I mean, when the bubble showed up last summer and the kind of quick turnaround to this season, like, that's been really helpful. Like, it's been really nice to have kind of games to distract you from stuff. Um, but, like, yeah, no complaints. I mean, a lot of people have it really hard and, and to be able to kind of worry about the Celtics and whether they should or should not trade Jalen Brown and whether they blew the draft or the offseason, that stuff is all welcome distractions and just a sign that things are going pretty well. 
Yeah, I would agree. And the only problem is my, as you know, my wife is a healthcare worker. So whenever she sees me watching sports, she gets, uh, I would say, rationally angry because she's, she just sees these as little incubators. Um, And some are better than others, obviously, with testing and and protocols and stuff. But as we saw with, you know, the kid from Florida, I don't know if you saw that kid pass out on the court because he had um, COVID over the summer. And he basically has a heart condition now. It's just like, it's devastating. And so, you know, she's sitting there being like, is this really something we need to be doing? Um, but on the flip side, it is a huge welcome distraction. Uh, four games in five nights this week is just like, it's amazing. Like, Love I, it. I, I, you know, get, get blown out by the Nets or lose a heartbreaker to the Pacers and we're right back at it. You don't even, it's like baseball. You can just like, you know, on to the next game. So that in that respect, I really like it as well. So, like I said, we're five games into the season. So, what's your general reaction now that we're you know the Celtics are three and two, lost a blowout to the Nets, lost a heartbreaker to Indiana, and uh, and got three wins. So, what's your general impression? I came in like I came into the season kind of looking at three things. Like, I really wanted to see does Tatum make the same kind of leap or another leap above sort of his peak from last year? If he's a guy who's sort of somewhere in the top 15, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 in the league, can he make a leap that gets him into the top 10? So that's the first thing I was looking at. The second was, can Jalen make another jump? Because you remember the first, you know, 30 games of last year, Jalen was probably the best player on the team and clearly had gone up a notch. So could he do that again this year? And then the third thing I was really kind of interested in was, especially given where the Celtics are from a salary perspective now, some of these young kids, some of those kids have to hit, either because they need cheaper rotation players to support a run deep in the playoffs, or because they need somebody to headline a trade for the parts that'll support that playoff run. So I've been looking at all three of those things. And like with that in mind, like I'm generally pretty happy so far because Tatum is probably the softest on those three things. Uh, I feel great about where Jalen is. Um, I feel pretty good about some of the kids. Um, so that's probably like the entry point into this for me. I am cautiously optimistic about the things that I really care about. Yeah, and those are three huge things, especially the rotational stuff. Like, like you're right, losing Gordon Hayward in the offseason, you lose, not only do you not use obviously a former All-Star, a dude that's one more year away from the injury that sort of derailed his career a little bit, but you lose a capable scorer, a capable defender, a guy who can guard multiple positions, play multiple positions, come off the bench, just like that perfect Swiss Army knife that he was obviously not willing to be. Um, but still, like on paper, was a perfect Swiss Army knife. You need a guy like Romeo Langford to come back and and give you something or Grant to make a, a jump to give you something, which is funny because with Romeo out and with... Uh, Grant not playing very well. He he didn't even play in the first half of, of one game. I forget which one, but it was like shocking. It was like Brad yep. was finally switching up his, his rotation. You like you need something. And uh, that's why it's so crazy that the Celtics have found something in Peyton Pritchard. Uh, and I know we're sort of jumping all over the place, but it's crazy because it's like Peyton Pritchard, when they drafted him, I swear, I I texted my friends uh, like my close group of friends that follow the Celtics. And so I not just, me. Yeah, not you. Well, right. <laughs> exactly. I was saving it for the pod. I understand. No, I, I, understand. I, 
I texted my buddies and I was like, no way. What a disaster. What an absolute disaster. Like a, you know, four year player. He's like, oh, he's like the same age as Tatum with no experience. He's short. He's slow. He's, you know, he just, how is he going to finish over length and all this stuff? And God, I was so wrong. I love being this wrong. I love being this wrong in this way, you know, and he's just, he's been really fun to watch. I never have any of these reactions because I never watched the college game. Um, but it, the, the thing about him is, and you saw this in the preseason, but there are guys you know are 10-year NBA guys the first time you see them. Like, mm-hmm. And he had everything working against him. Drafted in late November, playing his first game like 30 days later as a pro. And kind of forced into a role that you wouldn't think a rookie would, would end up with this early in the season, even if he had a proper offseason. But this kid, like, I'm so high on this kid, and maybe, maybe like, irrationally high on this kid, but he looks to me like a starting point guard. He is not bothered at all by the pace of the game. Like, the game is not moving too fast for him, unlike the other kid we drafted. Um, he is hard to speed up. He kind of moves at his own pace. He makes really good decisions. He's got a great handle, keeps, keeps the ball moving. And on defense, like he fights. Like I, I, I've seen him kind of drop the ball on those couple on the, on that side a couple of times, and you know he's done the usual kind of rookie thing where he's you know like the stepping out of bounds and all that. But like there is no doubt in my mind this kid is a starting level player, um, and that is way more than you could hope for, given some of the recent young guys we've drafted in that range. Yeah, especially the late first round. I mean, if if they thought he was going to be this good, they should have taken him when they took Aaron Neesmith, Obviously, um, the logic there. Why do you think that happened? Uh, I, I, why does anything happen? You know what I mean? Why does Draymond get get uh, drafted in the second round? You know, why does Jokic get drafted so late? It's just, it, it, they look at, they. it's just such a crapshoot. You know, it's just such a crapshoot. And I've been resting on my laurels for like 10 years about talking about wanting to draft Jimmy Butler over Juwan Johnson and, and still getting credit for that and giving myself credit for that when really like, what did I know? I, I you know, I knew nothing. I just liked to, I just liked him better. Um, and so that's why I think he, he fell and, uh, you know, I had a second, I, it's easy to, for me to say this. I had a second round grade on him. Like I graded every player, but no, when I, when I was like looking at pre-draft stuff, I was looking at him and I was like, yeah, maybe undrafted, whatever. Mm. But I do think, and I tweeted this at the time, I do think people see a guy like Fred Van Vliet and they want to find that guy. They want to find like the leader and find something that's physically wrong with him, like short or slow or short arms or something and say, you know what, that's not in this NBA where it's about, you know, know, how to affect the ball and and shooting well and things like that. You know, the measurables aren't as necessarily as important as someone who can knock down shots. And I do think in the beginning, they probably thought, yeah, he might get some burn. He might replace Carson Edwards. He might stand in the corner and, and make some threes. And to your point about the short offseason, I think it might have helped him. Yeah. I think maybe a prolonged offseason where he's getting the Chipotle burritos every week and he's getting hazed and he's getting, you know, he's finding out, well, I can't not pass to Tatum if he's, you know, standing there. Instead, it's like, no, I'm just balling. Like, I'm just balling. I made a read, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. I made a read and I went for it. And right now, it's all working out. And it's it's great to see. Do you think he's a difference-making shooter? 
I do. I do. I mean, especially with his range. Have you seen he's he's taken a couple threes yeah. from there was yeah. the one there was the one on the right wing that was what I mean, he must have been five, six feet behind the line. Exactly. And what I like about him, he's not a catch and shoot guy, at least not yet, as, as far as I can see. He's not like like Neesmith. You can tell the dude is itching to launch. And I think that's what Brad, Brad and Danny and everyone else is saying. Yeah, when you get it, if you shoot have it. a look, shoot it, because that's why we drafted you. And that's why you're here. You know, everyone's trying to find like the next Duncan Robinson, the next guy who can just literally knock down threes. It's it's opens up the floor spacing. It just just does so much for your uh, for your offense. Um, and so I like the fact that he is just like uh, Neesmith is just when he's in there, he's letting it fly. But with Pritchard, I think he's more a little bit more off the dribble, a little bit more, you know, set up. Um, make sure your feet are set. Make sure your your arms are are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And even if you're three feet beyond the arc, if you feel like you have a good feeling about it, let it launch. And I, I do think he's a very capable shooter. He's actually I was looking at the stats. He's actually the second highest uh, uh, three point percentage guy on the team. Can I get, guess guess who number one is? Uh, it's not Robert Williams. <laughs> uh, is it Jalen? Nope. But it, but I, I like how you didn't like immediately go Tatum or something like that. It's, uh, it's someone you wouldn't expect. It's probably someone we'll get to that uh, sticks in your craw. It probably because he sticks in my craw. Uh, Jeff Teague. Oh yeah, he's in my craw a little bit for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, he put himself. Well, we'll get to Jeff Teague in a bit. The thing about Pritchard that's interesting to me is when I first saw him in, in the preseason, I was like, oh maybe there's a little bit of Kirk Heinrich here. Like, he looks like he might be a guy who could run an offense capably. But then the more you watch him, the more you see how creative he is. Like, he's obviously not this player, but he's he's watched a lot of Steve Nash. Like, the way he keeps his dribble alive under the basket and circles back, um, and sort of, like, the, the, the comfort with which he does that, even under pressure. Like, there's a lot going on there. And it's interesting, right? It's that... Um, it's that thing in the NBA. If you get drafted to the wrong team or the wrong situation, you, your career could be over in uh, in a year or two. Whereas with the Kemba injury, it's just such a huge advantage for him. Because if Kemba was playing, that means Teague and Smart are getting the majority of those minutes. We might be seeing Pritchard in just little bursts here and there. As it is, I don't know how you get him out of the rotation. Oh, you can't. He's he's firmly uh, entrenched in there now, and it'll be it will be interesting when Kemba comes back. But going back to what you were saying about perfect situation type stuff, if this was Doc, he would still be on the end of the bench, and it's like you know he'd be playing Jeff Teague, he'd be playing Carson Edwards because Carson Edwards is more of a vet than uh, than Peyton Pritchard. And despite what Edwards did in garbage time against the Pacers the other night. you know, it's yet to he's yet to show me that he's an an, an NBA player, which is so sad because I know you don't watch the college game, but he was electric in college. Like he could score from all over the place. He was fearless. He was fast, and it just it did not translate in the NBA yet, and I don't think it will. But going back to Pritchard, he's he's playing fearlessly. I I, I see Steve Nash, and I see the comparison. Um, with some of the other guys. What I see, though, is going back to my other comparison, Fred Van Vliet. I love the way that he's playing with that sort of confidence. He's uh, he's not afraid to go try to finish. He does finish over length. He finished over Gorgie Jang the other day. 
um, who's a, obviously a very long dude. Um, he, he just like I just I have yet to see a flaw in his game other than sort of being out of position a few times in defense, and obviously the lack of height, the lack of length, the lack of bulk. He's not gonna necessarily affect uh, on the defensive end uh, in like that kind of way. But it's like at some point you have to cut your losses. I mean, obviously you cut your losses with a guy like Kemba, with a guy like Isaiah Thomas, with a guy like Fred Van Vliet. You know, these are the kind of it's it's what he brings all everywhere else. It far outweighs those sort of defensive limitations. I think. So one point and then a question. So yep. if you just run him, like just assume he's your starting point guard. He's not. Um, you compare him to Kemba, to Kyrie. To it, he's better defensively than all of them, or he will be. <laughs> right? He's not better than Marcus, obviously, but like he is—it's defense you can live with. But my question is more about Neesmith. So, when you were texting this group of friends that didn't include me, um, when the Neesmith pick was announced, what did you say then? What was your reaction? Uh, I was like, fine. Uh, you know, s- some of the other guys. I I didn't love the middle of this draft, to be honest with you. I loved the top end of this draft, and I loved sort of the back end of this draft. The the guys I was really obsessed with were um, uh, I liked the Denny, the dude that went to Washington out of I think Israel. Um, but I knew as the months were going by, getting closer to the draft, that he was going to jump and, and go higher. Um, and I loved guys like Cole Anthony, who's tearing it up for um, for uh, the Magic right now. Um, and uh, I really, I, I like the guys that you want to believe are going to be good. And like that guy was RJ Hampton, who went to Minnesota. He was the guy who was like a top, uh, a top high school player, which obviously, you know, Danny loves with, you know, drafting Avery Bradley years ago. So, like, I want R.J. Hampton to live up to the hype. And so he's the dude who skipped college and went to play in New Zealand professionally for a year. And he just played okay. Um, So I was looking at that at 16. Neesmith didn't... The red flags on Neesmith for me were the fact that he was injured. He didn't have a full season. And I think his shooting percentage... Uh, got inflated because of that. He's sort of like on this Jalen kick, the, the kick that Jalen's on right now that he could come crashing down, um, which I hope he doesn't. But like, you know, he could be playing really well. He could have been playing really well, kind of got hot in the beginning, then got injured, and then his uh, shooting percentage is artificially high there. Um, the one that the one thing I loved about uh, Neesmith over a guy like Desmond Bain is the height and length. You know, he's like a legit 6'6". You know, he's like long. He rebounds well. I, I love the way he's fighting on, you know, the offensive and defensive glass and things like that. Um, and I think his shot will come around. But it was just a meh pick for me. What, what I really want, and this is uh, this is the last thing I'll say because I've been rambling, but like, I, this is so bad. I, I think Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke, who went to the Hornets in the second round, is going to be good. He's... He's a relic. He's a plodding big man, sort of in the mold of like a DeMarcus Cousins um, because he's got skill around the basket. But like, I just think if he gets in the right situation and plays up to his potential, which is so many caveats, I think he's going to be good, even in this new NBA. So that's who I wanted the Celtics to take with that uh, pick that they traded out of. Um, But yeah, so that, that was sort of my overall draft take. 
I mean, I agree with you about it. like he's got a good body. Like he he he's put together. He's got good size. Um, to kind of paraphrase some language from a few years ago in the NBA, though, I do feel like he's about six months away from being six months away. Yeah, you know, he's it's going to take him a while to get there. And I and I do have that same question about the shot. But it does like watching him against Memphis. Like, boy, was he. First of all, it was great for him to get those low pressure, low leverage minutes. Yep, where he could get out there and he could do anything he wanted and make all sorts of mistakes. Like he, he's very, he's struggling to know where to be on the court. But it was great to see him hit a shot, um, and the confidence with which he's shooting. Like that's exactly what we want. Like, so he feels like a piece that you would expect something from a year from now. I don't have a lot of kind of opt- optimism that we're going to get a lot out of him this year. Could be wrong about that, but that's fine. Like if Pritchard is in the rotation, and then this is probably a good bridge into um, Robert Williams, and we have some development from some of the other kids. That's all we need right now. I'm shocked by Williams, Robert Williams' development, uh, especially this like this early in the offseason. I know I have some friends in the in the blogosphere world, in the Twitter verse or whatever, that are very high on him, and lots of Celtics fans are. I have never been high on him, uh, except for when he was in college. I loved the pick coming out of college. It's such a low-risk, like high-reward pick. It's like the Danny making up for not drafting DeAndre Jordan when he could have. Um, you know, he's a tall dude. He catches lobs. He's long. Um, but he obviously couldn't get his head out of his ass for like two seasons and now he's playing so well he like he's not he's minimizing those mistakes he's passing well he's defending much better than he has he's got length um, he's blocking shots he's blocking shots in the perimeter it's exactly the type of dude I don't know if he'll ever be a starter but as an energy big off the bench it's huge yeah I mean He's all. We've always heard he's a pretty good passer, but he has made a number of passes just in the last couple of games that that are so instinctive and so fluid and so in the moment you can't teach it. Like he really does have a little bit of a gift for passing. I'm not convinced he's the defensive player that he should be and he ever will be. I don't know if he has the instincts. Yeah, definitely. Like, not. I, I don't think he affects enough shots. Forget about blocking them. Like when he challenges or contests shots, I just don't see. A lot of those shots go in. So I'm not convinced this guy is that impressive on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, he's a really interesting piece. And if he's like a, if he's an effective big off the bench with some energy and who can give you kind of that change of pace, like just raising the energy level off the bench is so important for the Celtics because they are so prone. I don't know. This maybe, maybe this is like it's something in the fucking water in New England because Doc <laughs> did this and now Brad does this. They all want the guys to play with pace and it's hard to get them to play with pace. It's been the rare exception where we've actually done that, but Pritchard does it. And if he can raise the energy when, when he comes in, Williams, like that's valuable. The other thing that, and this is what I meant at the top, is we really need a couple of these kids to look appealing as part of a trade package. So. If we're showcasing him a little bit, or he's showcasing himself a little bit, that's helpful because we had a bunch of kids on this roster in November, and very, very few of them had any measurable trade value, which obviously leads to, well, you've got to move Brown for an upgrade. You've got to move Smart for an upgrade. 
now we're starting to see a little bit of currency with the kids, which I think is like the, one of the more exciting things early in the season. Yeah, it's that's obviously helpful from a trade chip perspective. The problem is they all the kids still make no money. So it, it, no matter what, it's really it's not going to affect whether you can keep Brown, Smart, Kemba. One of those guys in a big trade is going to have to go. At least one. It's really like okay, how many future firsts are you going to lose? You know, it's like. And that kind of sucks because like, I don't really, I don't care about the future firsts. All, all the future firsts will hopefully be in the high, high, um, you know, late first round if the Celtics are doing well, obviously. Uh, the young guys I don't want to give up are the ones that play well. <laughs> so it's such a double-edged sword. It all depends on like who that guy is. And I think we're obviously, we have to get into, we have yeah. to get into Harden at some point. And yeah, we'll this, is a, this is a good place to do it. All right, cool. All right, fine. So it all depends on how much who who you're giving up to get Harden. And I know Celtics fans, myself included, overvalue their own players. It's probably every fan base does. They see them daily. They they also share in their aspirations, you know, they want this guy to be really good, so they like break down their game ad nauseum. I I just am not a James Harden fan. I don't like watch. I, I like the fact that he does well. Um, I like that he's sort of counterculture. He's sort of the anti-hero. He's sort of like, ex- despite his COVID, I wish he, I wish he was a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, reliable on the COVID end just because it's so important. But other than that, other than the public health concerns he poses, I love the fact that he's like just this dude who likes to play basketball and doesn't care about your opinion of him, like in the Charles Barkley way. Um, but that being said, I feel like he, he plays a very boring brand of basketball. I hate the fact that the ball doesn't move. It's a lot of dribbling. It's a lot of shooting. It's a lot of one on five. And he's so good that he can do that. I, you know, I like more the ball sharing. I like when LeBron and Dwayne Wade paired up and there was a lot of ball sharing and it was a lot of beautiful basketball, so to speak. I can't stand watching Houston. Four dudes standing on the perimeter and one dude like trying to get to the rim and if not kicking it out for an open three. It's just, it's boring basketball to me and he makes a ton of money. <laughs> okay, so there's uh, there's a lot to there's a lot to dig into there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. First of all, Four dudes standing around the perimeter, unmoving, and while one dude tries to go one on five, sounds a lot like the Celtics offense. Jason but that, Tatum. <laughs> but that 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 aside, or or Brown, depending on whose turn it is. But that aside, um, let me let's just ask the the question directly. So, if the deal was there, and you get to keep Smart, would you trade Brown for Harden, assuming that you're not giving up like Pritchard to go along with him, or any draft pick that you'd be really concerned about? Um, I wouldn't, I feel like gun to my head. I would not give up Jalen Brown. Um, I would rather give up Kemba Walker. Um, not because I dislike Kemba Walker at all, but I think it's like recency bias. He's not playing, but obviously he has no trade value right now, uh, because he's not playing. So it's sort of moot. Um, it's more about just how the contracts line up. I just, I, I can't see giving up an ascending player for a guy who now says he wants to go to the Celtics, like he added the list of... But he doesn't want to be here. He wants to go to Brooklyn. He has like two or three years left, and he's known for... You know, he didn't report. So if he's not happy, he's not going to report. He's not going to play well. He's not going to care about the outcome of the team. It's just like... it's. I'm sick of trying to get a guy here and convincing him that to stay. 
We saw with Kyrie that, and it started out that he wanted to stay, right? Like it started out great and he didn't. And I know Kyrie's mercurial and stuff, but I'm sick of that. I don't want to get a guy here and convince him to stay. It worked out with KG and, but you know, one out of like 10, it's just not a good percentage for me. So the question is, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> like, are you a Harden guy? It depends on like so. The, the your criticisms of Harden, I think, are the common criticisms of Harden. One of which is stylistic. Nobody, nobody wants to w- watch that kind of basketball. It doesn't feel like. Although maybe you feel differently when Harden is putting up forty and fifteen every game for your team. <laughs> so, but there's the stylistic criticism. The second is, you know, he really does seem to like. His fall feels like it could be precipitous, given what I assume his off-court life is like. Right. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then the third piece is like, I you do wonder a little bit, or I do, about in high-pressure, high-leverage moments, is James, does James Harden want that ball? Right. I'm not sure about that. So, But all that aside, if, like, as a thought experiment, if you just dumped Brown, we have, we'll talk about Brown's play here in a moment, but... If you just moved Brown as the sole central piece, because there's no way they're getting Brown and Smart if they make that deal, if Danny decides he wants to do that deal. There's no way both those pieces are going out. Um, If you did the deal for Brown, which has got to look pretty appealing for Houston, then you have Tatum, Harden, Smart, and whatever's left of Kemba Walker. That's theoretically a team that could win you a title this year, especially if Tatum by the, by the playoffs is a better player than he was by last playoffs. Um, yeah. I think you definitely become the second best team in the East. I think but, you, but you that's, become, that's the problem, right? Like yeah. as from a mitigation point of view, if that's not a clear home run for you, like if you're still only the second best and you're taking on that kind of risk, like that, that makes that trade a little bit hard to swallow. I think you you probably have to do the deal if Harden were to opt into the third year now. Right, I know. And B said that on the latest uh, Winning Plays pod. Like you, you, he opts into the deal, uh, and you get three years. But also, like it's it is going to be like forty four million bucks in that last deal. And obviously, the cap could change. And you know, usually, you know, high price deals by the end of the deal don't look so bad. Um, but that's so much money to tie up into. The, he's north of thirty, right? He, or yeah, he I'm 30? not worried about that though. Like, because like he'll be like 34 in that last year, and it's just a one year commitment. Yeah. The deal after for him is a worrying deal. But if if it's just three years, I think that makes sense. But I but I but I mean, like what you're you're kind of looking at, and that's why it's so. That's why you got to slow walk this one. If Jalen is another level up, and Tatum's another level up then the riskiest thing might act like it may, it may be, you may legitimately have a top 10 player or somebody who's about to be a top 10 player. And Jalen could ascend into sort of somewhere between 10 and 20. Mm-hmm. And that's potentially enough to get you a title. But the interesting thing is regardless, whether you trade for Harden or you don't trade for Harden, I think the future is now. I don't think it's about waiting two years because you've got them both under contract. These guys have such short deals now. And so much of an interest in exploring their options in other cities that the 10-year window, the 8-year window, the 7-year window, like, I don't know if that exists anymore. These guys love Boston now, but Jalen's an intellectually curious guy who might really want to live in a different place at some point, and not because he doesn't like Boston. 
Tatum, same thing. He's going to have all sorts of suitors at the back end of that contract. And he'll be looking at, you know, where do I want to live my life? It may or may not be Boston. So I think if you are not making the Harden deal, the Harden deal guarantees you're, you're all in and it's now when you're chasing a title and you build your roster and optimize your roster for that. But I think even if you don't, I think you have to optimize the roster for that right now. Yeah, it's true. So we should. So if you're not going for Harden, though, like who who are you going for? I mean, the, the, the easy answer that we all talk about um, is Brad Beal. And that's just because he's best friends with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum like looks up to him. And if you want Jason Tatum to be here uh, longer than the five years he's going to be here, if you want to guarantee that, you probably sign Brad Beal to his next deal. Um, the problem, the only issue with doing that this year is that the TPE is just not enough to get Brad Beal. So you'd have to include like someone. Um, but the, you know, how, like, what would you, you'd have to, what would you give up to get well, a guy like Brad Beal? Yeah. Boston, Boston doesn't have like trading Jalen for Beal does nothing for Boston ceiling. No, but like, trading like, Kemba for Beal Base is kind of a you know it's kind of not a wash it's it's better to get Beal just because the Celtics are a little bit deeper in, in point guard with Smart and Pritchard now and they're also like they um they Beal's healthy you know he's like sort of confirmed healthy so like that's where it's sort of a net win if they you know Beal over Kemba but it's still he's still sort of probably third banana on the team maybe okay. second. If I thought there was some magical world, whether in a two-team or three-team trade where we could get Bradley Beal for Kemba Walker, I make that deal before I can even finish the thought. <laughs> uh, and like, I mean, for what the fuck? Kemba is an Iron Man for a decade in Charlotte, and we get him, and now he has this knee injury that looks like it may like. There is no reason he should not be playing right now. That's really worrying. Yeah, but I mean, when you play 82 games for 10 years, like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It doesn't make sense because obviously LeBron's been healthy his whole life. But like, it it doesn't surprise me that Kemba's knee is bulky. I mean, I play uh, 20 games a year and <laughs> my knees are shot, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I don't play anymore because of my knees. Exactly. But <laughs> but the, the problem is neither of us are making $30 million a year. $30 million a year. Very um, true. I mean, I haven't seen your tax return, but... No, no, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. <laughs> I mean, the Coke Zero sponsorship has been really lucrative. I'm not going to lie. But, but I mean, like, the problem, right, is like, Kemba is the issue because you need $30 million of production out of him or you need him to have the trade value to get something back that allows you to round out your roster. And with Smart being there and a guy who can competently run the offense and give you way better defense than Kemba... And Pritchard emerging where you're like, okay, that's a super low-cost asset that can be really productive right off the top. I've certainly got no worries about I'm, I'm five fucking games in, and I'm ready to put Pritchard into the playoffs in the, in the Eastern Conference. And untouchable, conference. you know what I mean? Like, Oh, but, but it's pretty close for me. Like, I'm pretty close to that place, right? He's Tyler Hero for me in some ways. Um, what do you do with Kemba? I think Kemba has to be traded, to be honest. I think probably you spend this year rehabilitating his value – and then you look at all the teams that were hoping for a big free agent class this summer, which no longer exists, and will have cap space, or you need to upgrade their talent, and you try and find a way to spin him out for pieces that are better situated around Brown and Tatum, uh, and maybe a little bit more on their timeline as well, too. 
Hmm. I think Kemba I wa- has to go though. I don't. I don't see a Kemba fit. Well, but doesn't so if Kemba comes back and he's healthy, I do. See, I, I I'm not ready to put like Pritchard over him now. You know what I mean? Like oh, no, I ne- think ne- neither am I. Neither yeah. am I. I'm just like, but there's a way that you can mitigate some of the loss of Kemba and add other things to the mix that are interesting. Yeah, I, and and especially since you know our friend friend of the pod Ryan Bernadoni uh, always uh, hammers that, that guy. I, that guy just took over Celtics Hub. I don't even know what he was doing over there. <laughs> now he's now he's this big Twitter celebrity. I don't know. I don't know. He's probably one of the guys you were texting, huh? huh? Yeah. He, no. No. I don't have his phone number. I just have his Twitter. I just DM him a lot. I, I slide into his DMs. Um, no, but he um, he his big thing is we waited too long to trade Gordon Hayward, and he's right now. But hindsight is twenty twenty, which is what I keep saying, and he's like. And he keeps reminding me, it's like, yeah, but I was right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. So he is bullish on trading Kemba as soon as possible, just like you're kind of saying, but for almost a different reason. So like, I do get the under, like the idea of trading Kemba. Um, I, I just worry, like he was the big free agent signing, you know, what, uh, before last season. And then he got injured and I worry that that's going to be a lasting, and maybe it's just stupid. Maybe the only fans think about this and players don't. But like, I worry that that's going to be a lasting stain on the Celtics. It's like, yeah, go sign with the Celtics and get if you want to get injured and then have a bad next contract. Although Gordon Hayward got injured and got a, the best contract of his career that he should not have gotten. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the lasting impact is on free agency. If we just bail on Kemba immediately after signing him, I don't. I don't know. See, Kemba was not Al Horford. Kemba was not Gordon Hayward. In that we were we courted them. Yeah, I true. Think. And 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 there was this long sort of build up to can we get these guys? Kemba was kind of the consolation prize, because Kyrie was leaving, and Al was leaving, and we needed to find a way to get some sort of value back on the roster. So okay, let's spin out Rozier for him. Um, I don't, and Kemba obviously seems like an amazing dude. He seems like mm-hmm. super well liked, um, a gr- and and has done things for the culture that are opposite of what Kyrie did for the culture. So all those things are good, but ultimately I just want to win. <laughs> no, it's and, true, and and I just feel like um, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be on the hook for those last few years of Kemba's contract. Like I mean. Like right now, Rozier for Kemba. Who says no? I know, right? But it's so easy, though. It's so easy because Rozier's playing really well right now, and Kemba's not playing. So, I, can I get five games? We five games in the season. Can I get five games of Kemba back, good, bad, or indifferent, before I like have to trade him away? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. And I'm not saying that he can't be part of a deep run this year. I just go, you know, given what our roster looks like and how ball dominant that we might need Jalen and Jason to be, do we want Kemba and his defensive liabilities and the worries about his knee and his general sort of timeline discontinuity with the, with the younger players on the roster next year? I, I like, and I don't think this is a, you have to do this. You don't have to do this, but my inclination would be rehab is value. Go as deep as we can with him this year add something with the TP to support the team 
and then look to make the kill shot this summer. This is all assuming we don't make a Harden deal. Right. Or or they don't win the title this year. And I'm not ruling out that they don't win the title this year. Obviously, all predicated on uh, Jalen and, and Jason making the, the leaps. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I love the... We, we haven't even talked about him. We're, we're 40 minutes in and we haven't even talked about Tristan Thompson. But I really like that signing for them. I think it gives them a lot of flexibility both with what to do with their existing bigs, but also just a, a good anchor. Um, so if they add a guy or if they do, you know, it's like, it's sort of like a glue piece. I'm using so many like awful trite things, but like it, it is sort of a glue piece of a title team, I think, um, where that can sort of buttress the stars. Uh, so I'm not ruling out a title run. I think it's going to be a weird year. I think it's going to, you know, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals like every year and they just get beat by a better team. Uh, but if Jason and Jalen keep getting better and they keep adding these around the around the edges to get better, uh, you know, who's to say that they can't beat a Miami? Obviously, I think they can beat a Milwaukee. Um, it's it's really going to be predicated on how uh, the health of the, the Nets hold up. And while Kyrie and... Uh, Durant are still healthy. I mean, they just lost Dinwiddie probably for the season. And that's a huge bench piece for them. So it's going to be a weird year. I think it's going to be like an up for grabs year. Like it was last year. Well, actually, that's that's not true. In the Eastern Conference, it was up for grabs. It wasn't up for grabs overall. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. But you're right. In the East, it was. And it is again this year. Although, I mean, Durant looks majestic i've yeah. seen a lot of brooklyn this this year and he looks incredible Kyrie is Kyrie. if he's there and he's healthy he'll probably be good because he'll probably be on better behavior but yeah that brooklyn team like it doesn't take much for that to go sideways over there just like any team miami's deeper um and i like miami but they're very beatable milwaukee to me they may have fucked it up yeah, they like, got problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you wonder, like, you wonder if Giannis has the next level. Imagine being Milwaukee, and someone else said this, but, like, imagine being in Milwaukee and watching Malcolm Brogdon. Like, like Malcolm Brogdon is awesome. He's, that that whole Pacers organization is terrific. Yeah. Yep. I love it, too. Except for what they did to Nate McMillan. That was weird. They, that like, was, extended him and fired weird. him. But, I mean, that roster, I love that roster. And, like, yeah, Brogdon is just... Man, if, if Pritchard turns into Brogdon, I mean, he's smaller, but that's a great analog for the kind of value you could get. It is a good analog, too, because they both look like they'd be bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true, right? <laughs> you watch Malcolm Brogdon play, and you're just like, if, you, if that if that dude walked in to pick up, and you were like, oh, he's playing fives? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll guard this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he just destroys you, and you're like, oh, okay, someone else guard this guy. Yeah, just, it's, it, yeah. I mean, and, and how much does Milwaukee wish they had just paid him? I oh, 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 a million times over. They got rid of um, they they overpaid for Drew Holiday, who I love, but they still overpaid for him, and they got rid of Bledsoe like for nothing. Like, yeah, it that was a brutal decision. And like the, you know, that's like the deciding to hold on to Al Jefferson over trading for KG decision. You know, that didn't happen, but like. That's the kind of decision that they're going to look at and be like, oh, man. And they would look at it even harsher if um, if Giannis didn't end up signing. Like, imagine if Giannis didn't end up signing and, and went somewhere else. And it's like, oh. yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. 
But all right, we've been doing this for like 43 minutes, so I think it's a good place to call it. Um, this is going, this is gonna go live tomorrow. We're recording on a Wednesday. It's gonna go live first of the year, new year, new us. Um, so please get at us at uh, CelticsHubPod at gmail.com. We love to answer questions, uh, talk about stuff. If you want us to talk about anything, we love to uh, have topics. So just email us there. You can get me on Twitter at JaxOBD. Um, you can hear me here. You can hear me on the Winning Plays pod a lot. Um, and I'll be bumming around uh, different pods. Um, where can they find you, Ryan? Just Ryan DeGamma is my Twitter handle. And I will be on this pod and I will be nowhere else. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Ryan. Thanks. Uh, we'll do this again soon. All right. Talk next week. Pac was a hypocrite and Biggie was a slob. Oh my God, sacrilege. He's not hip hop, the greatest form.